Welcome to Lost in Twin Peaks. Today we dive into the weeds for Season 1, Episode 7. We are going to look at character rankings, locations, uh, coffee pie and donuts, just all of the sort of trivial details of the episode in a way that I think shows the overall uh, trends in the series in interesting ways throughout this season. Who's up, who's down, and so forth. The characters introduced in this episode are Jenny, Theodora Ridgely, who is the... Uh, the uptight lady who Audrey has the encounter with at the store, the stockroom employee, Herbert Neff, the insurance man, love that guy, and the mysterious stranger who is watching. Uh, I guess you can say we're introduced to them in the sense that we see their point of view, but we don't see them. The first interactions in this episode are Hank and Harry, Cooper to an extent, although he doesn't talk much to Hank, Blackie with Cooper and Ed, uh, Blackie with Audrey, Maddie with Jacoby, Cooper and Jacques meet for the first time, and Josie with Hank in person. We've seen him call her over the phone, but now they're together in person. And we have Bobby watching Maddie, which he doesn't seem to have really interacted with her at all yet. There's a lot of new interactions this episode, which is interesting. The top 10 characters in terms of screen time within this particular episode are number 10, Bobby with about three minutes. Say goodbye, James. Number nine is Blackie with about three minutes. Oh, I got a Chevy parked out back with a serious root canal problem. Number eight is James with about four minutes. February 23rd, night Laura died. Number seven is Donna with about five minutes. Okay, wait here for us. Number six is Maddie with about five minutes. God, do you think Dr. Jacoby killed her? Number five is Ed with about six minutes. Well, I was hoping you might need a little gum work. Because I'd sure like to get a look under your hood. Number four is Laura with about seven minutes. Why is it so easy to make men like me? And I don't even have to try very hard. Maybe if it was harder. Including, of course, all the references to her. She's only on screen for about a minute of when she's talking on the tape. So that's her only on-screen presence direct in this episode. The rest of that time is uh just characters impersonating her as maddie does or uh, being concerned in one way or another with her number three is harry with about nine minutes i know all i need to know i love her and she's in trouble number two is audrey with over 10 minutes of screen time god jenny i did a really dumb thing um i lost that number that he gave me for black rose do you have it and number one is cooper with about 13 minutes i'm the cop who are the characters who are in this episode for more than five minutes? And if it's a you know a, a longer episode like the pilot, we'd say for ten minutes. But in this episode, those characters are Donnie, Matt, Don, Donna, sorry, combined Donna and Maddie there. Donna, Maddie, Ed, Laura, also Harry, Audrey, and Cooper. So that kind of gives us a sense of who's the focus here. Uh, interestingly enough. James is not really one of those characters. And uh, I think that's because he's mostly off screen when they're listening to the tape and talking about some of the stuff. And then when Maddie makes the call in particular, the focus is really on uh, her and and uh, Donna to an extent because she's standing nearby. This is Maddie's first appearance with over five minutes. Uh, up till now, she's been used pretty fleetingly, but now she's becoming more of a focal point and as far as other characters who've had more than five minutes uh, before, this is the second time that Ed's had more than five minutes and the fifth time that Audrey and Donna have. 
And it's uh, Cooper, Harry, and Lara have had more than five minutes in every episode. So they've really emerged as the focus. But Audrey and Donna are kind of holding strong there, too, in, in terms of how they're represented in each episode. In terms of successive episodes with prominent screen time, who's on a hot streak? Well, this is Cooper's, Laura's, and Harry's seventh episode in a row with over five minutes of screen time. And Audrey also crosses that threshold for the sixth time in a row. Every episode since the pilot, she's had five minutes or more of screen time. But this episode ends Ben's recent run of five in a row. So both of the horns, or both of the prominent horns, we haven't seen much of Johnny and Sylvia, they've been uh, getting that high screen time, and now Ben has slipped back a little as Audrey remains there. Audrey tops the supporting cast in this episode. She's actually ahead of both Harry and Laura. And this is the first time that someone other than Laura or Cooper has displaced Harry, interestingly enough. I think in the previous episode we had, for the first time, characters who were uh, ahead of Laura. Now the top three is really broken up. Uh, The traditional top three lead characters, at least for this moment. Collectively, the top 10 characters on the show so far are Cooper, Harry, Laura, Donna and Audrey rounding out the top five, and then Bobby, James, Ben, Hawk, and Ed. Audrey jumps up a spot, James jumps up two spots, while Bobby, Ben, and Hawk all slip down a spot. And Doc falls out of the top 10 uh, again, this is the second time he's been there and fallen out, as Ed rises a spot to make his third appearance among that group. In terms of milestones... Cooper crosses over into two hours of screen time. The first character to do so. He's got a full feature length worth of screen time just from season one. In fact, there was a cut out there. I think it goes past season one, but sort of anchored in season one of just the investigative scenes. Uh, Fan edit from, I think, 2014, 2013 or so. I saw it in 2014. I'm not sure how long it had been around at that point, but it was kind of fresh in that moment that the missing pieces were coming out and the new series was announced and all of that. Audrey reaches 40 minutes, Catherine and Jacoby reach 15, Maddie reaches 10, Blackie reaches 5, and Jock reaches just one minute of screen time. Donna now has the equivalent of a full episode of screen time. So another character joining the uh, echelon of someone who could get their own cut that constitutes its own TV episode length. This is Cooper's fifth time as the number one character in an episode. Only Laura and Harry have held that spot in, you know, I think the pilot in episode four. And there's some characters who have sort of slipped off the radar, I think, uh, in various ways. Sometimes they kind of come back and, and, uh, and, and disappear and, you know, or, or disappear or whatever. And, uh, but but James has not been featured that prominently since episode two. He was featured so prominently in the first few, and now he's sort of sliding. Even in the scenes where all three of them are in there, he tends to be off screen sometimes for 30 seconds or a minute or more. The dream figures, uh, we haven't seen at all. Lucy uh, is, has slipped off. She was a, in it a little more prominently, and now she's in it less. Jerry and Albert, of course, have, have disappeared. And uh, in the previous episode, or a couple episodes ago, rather, we had Andy and Norma and Donna featuring pretty prominently. Norma's barely in this episode. I don't know. So those are the character dynamics. Uh, I find them kind of interesting. Hopefully I can kind of present them in an interesting way. But, uh, you know, it's uh, Sarah, too, has kind of disappeared. She was, we heard her voice in the previous episode, but we haven't seen her since episode, the very beginning of episode four. 
Here are the characters who have disappeared from the series, meaning they've been gone for at least four episodes. So not just a fluke of an episode absence or two, but really a sustained uh, vanishing, so to speak. And that was so the last time we would have seen them then would be season one, episode three, the dream sequence, the red room one. And obviously that includes the dream figures, the man from another place and Killer Bob. We saw Killer Bob's face in a drawing a couple episodes after that. And we did see uh, sort of a flashback just repeating the footage from that episode when Cooper tells others about his dream. So we saw the little man dancing, but really the new, you know, fresh footage of those two characters haven't seen him in a, in uh, a while. Uh, we did meet the one-armed man again, but as an apparently different person in the real world. Others who we haven't seen since then who got some prominent screen time are Eileen Hayward, Swabby, the greeter at One-Eyed Jack's uh, on the dock in her sailor uniform, and the bartender at One-Eyed Jack's who gets the call uh, or makes the call saying the Horn Brothers are arriving. So uh, even though we spend time at One-Eyed Jack's in this episode, I didn't see those two characters anywhere. And I don't think we see the woman in the fur coat either standing out by the sign. Others who probably come in in that phalanx of, of women coming when the, the Horn Brothers arrive and presenting themselves in the main room. Uh, some of them may be wandering around in the background. We do see the new girl again, so I don't count her among the disappeared characters. She brings Audrey into Blackie's office. But uh, otherwise... Uh, the, you know, the, those two characters most prominently who we met when we first went to One-Eyed Jacks, even though we're back, haven't seen them since. Here's a list of the locations and what happens there. At the Blue Pine Lodge, we visit the main room, the dining room, and Catherine's room, and we see Pete with the, with the fish, and then Josie and Harry talking, and then uh, later Catherine dealing with the insurance man there. For the sheriff's station, we go to the entry area, the conference room. There's like a side room where they're getting ready for their one-eyed jack surveillance and also the parking lot outside. We get that cool shot of Leo running in the rain. Now, I think this may be the first time we've seen rain in Twin Peaks. And it's very momentary. Like, there aren't other scenes where they're outside that it's raining or even looks stormy. It's just like a cool motif for this scene, basically. So we have the Lucy and Andy scene. We have Waldo introduced and the other evidence talked about, and then them getting ready for One-Eyed Jacks as Waldo is shot by Leo. For the Palmer house, we have Maddie sneaking past Leland. This is the third episode of Nothing for the Briggs house and the second episode of Nothing for the high school. For the Great Northern, we have room 315, Cooper's room, the bar as they're all getting ready. I love that scene, getting ready for their night out on the town, you know and Ben's office, of course. We have the Cooper and Audrey scene in bed. We have the Bookhouse boys getting ready for their endeavor, and then Audrey poking her head in, and then her leaving down the hallway. And uh, finally, uh, the Icelandic ice cream, uh, big, you know, shebang or whatever with Ben and Jerry. Big surprise there, Ben and Jerry love ice cream. The Double R Diner, we have Hank and Shelley scene, and, uh, you know, where they're talking, and Harry comes in. And Cooper gives his speech. It's all one scene. It's it's sort of um, I guess it, you know like I said it's tied in with the Harry, with the Hank storyline, but it also feels like a breather. Like hey, let's have a scene in the diner. And and you know Cooper's speech epitomizes that. For the Johnson house, we have the outside inside uh, together. Leo sniping at them and then uh, fleeing to deal with Waldo and Bobby Shelley inside. And then for the Calhoun Memorial Hospital, this is the third episode of nothing for that. At Big Ed's gas farmer house, we focus on the house this time. We seem to keep sort of switching back and forth between the gas farm and the house. 
for the the drape sadness scene. Sparkwood in 21, this is the third episode of Nothing, although it is mentioned. For the Hayward house, we have them all listening to Jacoby's tape. That cool shot there. Uh, just that one set up at sort of the dining room table. It's like a gathering place for them at this point where they can go and kind of have their teen moments together as the parents are off doing whatever. This is the third episode of Nothing for the Roadhouse, and uh, we also don't see anything for the woods. And as we go on again, uh, we just notice this pattern where all of these locations introduced in uh, subsequent episodes after the pilot, they're all, most of them are like one-offs. This is the second episode of Nothing for the Timber Falls Motel. Uh, We do get to revisit Jacoby's office, and we finally see the outside for the first time. Uh, as he, you know, gets the call on the tape and leaves out the back down that sort of alleyway, almost parking lot. I don't know what you want to call it. And we do revisit One-Eyed Jacks, introduced in episode two. Really get to see the casino this time. I don't think, I think maybe there was like a pool room or something in that first episode where they showed it. But now we're getting like the business, like everybody's, you know, there's all these people there playing games. It's like a real happening place, basically. And we also get uh, Blackie's office where we get to see the interview with Audrey. But this is the third episode of Nothing for the Red Room, for the Black Lake Cemetery, for the Bookhouse, and for, uh, I guess, the random payphone where Jacques makes a call. But <laughs> we could probably leave that out from now on. There is a payphone in Easter Park, um, but who knows if that's the same one. Uh, from the, all of the episode four locations, we don't see anything. Uh, nothing for Jacques' apartment and nothing for the second episode in a row for the state prison, Lidecker's Veterinary Clinic, and the one-stop gas. There are some interesting um, uses of the episode five location. So Horn's department store introduced last time. We get to see the main floor for the first time, and that's really cool. So, like, we're we're actually inside the store, not just Emery's office, although we do go there as well. I love the reverse shot of, of Audrey looking out where she sees Emery kind of wandering through the store. It's just like, hey, let's give this place more space. There's some red curtains in the background, of course, which we always see. This rewatch has really reminded me how the Disneyland... Uh, I I refer to it as Disneyland all the time, but it's just the best analogy I know, you know? The world creation aspect. It's one of my favorite things about Twin Peaks. It's actually what first brought me around to watch it for the second time again, right away after I finished it, um, because I watched a documentary called Secrets from Another Place, where they talk about building all of these sets on a soundstage, and just something about that really struck me and made me, like, gave me, like, a hunger to be like, I want to go back to this world. Even though I just watched the series, I thought I was done with it, I was going to write a little something about my blog and move on to the hundreds of thousands of other movies I'd review. And yet, you know, somehow it stuck with me. And that was one of the key points. Not exactly a new location because it was introduced last episode is uh, the gazebo. But we find out, I think, that it's Easter Park. Um, Or no, actually, they don't say the name. Jacoby just says the gazebo and he knows where it is. But we get more of a sense of that space in this episode. And the log lady's cabin and Jock's cabin, we don't see anything. The only new location this episode, if you can call it that, is a bridge somewhere on the Canadian border where Hawks is eavesdropping on one-eyed jacks. So there's a bunch of locations that we haven't seen for four more episodes. That includes the Packard sawmill, the town hall, and the road into town from the pilot. The mountaintop from episode one and the train car and the Canadian waterway since episode two. For the coffee pie and donuts, we have Hank holding a coffee mug and a nice view of pies behind Shelly, but as always behind their glass case. The big coffee thing this episode is she offers Harry and Cooper and they're all excited. And uh, well, Harry's like, I can't do it right now. And Cooper's like, you know, 
let me tell you something. And we're going to play that whole clip now. I didn't want to use it as the opening clip. I feel like I've, I've heard it as an opening clip before on a podcast here or there. And I thought, you know, it would be more fun here to use something else and save that for later. When you least expect it, as another character said. Carrie, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Every day, once a day, give yourself a present. Don't plan it. Don't wait for it. Just let it happen. Could be a new shirt at the men's store, a cat nap in your office chair, or two cups of good, hot, black coffee. Like this. A present. Like Christmas. At the Great Northern, we see uh, Cooper and Ed drinking, uh, holding coffee cups, or Ed and Harry, rather, holding coffee cups. But, of course, the big other thing besides that coffee speech, big hot, you know, nice hot black coffee, is uh, the blood on the donuts after Waldo is shot. Caleb Deschanel has actually spoken about that. He said, thinks it was his idea that he wanted to find a way to incorporate donuts and also do sort of a Hitchcockian thing, a lot of Hitchcock in this episode, a Hitchcockian thing where, like, you don't, see the thing but you get kind of the impression of it or the hint of it and the blood dripping from the edge of the cage onto the donuts was just the perfect kind of quintessential image of like the violence and the sort of the joy of Twin Peaks brought right together there. There's a lot of bonus food uh, content in this episode though. We have two malts and some fries with uh, Cooper and Audrey talking about having and uh, Doc Hayward is feeding Waldo and he says you got any apples these grapes are right on the edge love that line and it looks like there's some orange slices in the bag next to them we have Lucy speaking on the phone she says oh no bird seed this bird only eats fruit so I think she's ordering some some uh, groceries for the for the bird the woman at the perfume counter wants something fruity and there's a very vegetable soup on the special board at uh, the Double R. And Hank, in his smirky way, says, If you're looking for free lunch, Harry, I recommend the meatloaf. There's a near unfinished sandwich uh, sandwich and soup, uh, might be coffee, uh, on the uh, counter at the uh, Double R. And for some reason, Harry, uh, sorry, Hank reaches under one of them and uh, grabs the person's lighter that they left behind. It's just like, once a thief, always a thief, I guess. Nadine is eating her bonbons, which she offers to Ed. And Lucy is on the tape speaking to Waldo, saying, Want some oranges? Come on, let's share. We'd see Blackie holding a small glass at One-Eyed Jack's. There's, you know, some drinking there. And then, of course, a lot of drinking at the Great Northern. Big glasses of beer that uh, with, like, these little tops that kind of pop off, um, like a mug with, like, a lid. And uh, Jerry spills some as he's racing out to, to tell all the people they're going to go out. And they're all singing this babbling version of 99 bottles of beer and ben says you simply have got to teach me some of these incredible songs <laughs> like he's never heard that before and you know i guess because it's icelandic now and ben and jerry of course with the ice cream and it, ben uh, jerry tells ben this needs more pecan i, I just there's so much I, this is like an episode that makes me hungry let's see what I, well of course the big one which i kind of saved to talk about till now so Blackie tells Audrey, you know, show me what you got, basically. And she looks down. There's sort of a reddish, brownish, brownish tinged 
uh, drink there in this whole room that's very red and brown with the wood and the curtains and it's just fits the whole ambiance and there's a cherry floating on top of this drink audrey reaches down picks it up puts it in her mouth swallows it then puts the stem in she pulls it out and she's tied it with her tongue and blackie is is appropriately impressed and uh, there's a little red straw in that drink which we also see at uh, in jacoby's apartment he's got a bright orange tropical drink with pineapple several maraschino cherries and a pink umbrella sticking out the top and that does it for the food and drink in this uh, smorgasbord of an episode. For the smoking, we've got some great stuff this atmos- this uh, episode. We have Audrey taking the cigarette and lighter from Emery's desk and then smoking in the closet. It's such a dreamy way of spying. You know, the smoke could be blowing out there and letting them know that she doesn't even care. And she's not distracted by the cigarette, but she's just kind of cool as she listens uh, without looking much of the time. Like she's, she's flicking the... The little residue off her fingertips, you know, she's she's loving the cigarette and she's absorbed in the ashes and atmosphere rather than uh, what they're saying, but still picking up everything they're talking about. We have Hank stealing the lighter and then at the end of the episode, Bobby uh, drags on and then throws a cigarette with his gloved hand as he kind of stomps into this lot. That's it for this episode. Please rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can become a patron on patreon.com slash lost in the movies. And tomorrow we will be wrapping up season one, episode seven with the uh, archive readings from myself, from critics and uh, from fans, both at the time and later. So see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.